Today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is sponsored by Spotify Greenroom, which is the new name for the Locker Room app, by the way, and is the incredibly awesome live audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time by downloading the Spotify Greenroom app for free wherever you get your apps. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Friday, July 2nd. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go out and follow the podcast. You can leave me a review if you want to as well. Go rate the podcast with five stars. I'd greatly appreciate it. It's all free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, if you're on Twitter, then please go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page. That can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good content being posted there every day as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Please enjoy my conversation with Chicago Blackhawks NBC Sports insider Charlie Rumeliotis. All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Joining me on the show today is quite the special guest. He is a former guest here on the show, but that was back when Jay Zawoski was still the host of this podcast before that great man passed the torch on over to myself. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports Chicago, Charlie Rumeliotis. Charlie, thank you for taking the time to join me today, man. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show again. No problem. It's, uh, it's a new era with, with Jack here, so passing the torch from, from Jay to Jack. Absolutely. It's, been, it's crazy. It's already been a year since that happened. Time flew by real fast, but it's been a great first year here on the show, and uh, I'm definitely excited uh, to see where it's going to take me once we get back to hopefully some normalcy. And it's looking like we could be seeing a, an 82 game season next year, Charlie. Yeah. So it's actually funny. The last time I was on here with Jay, I was, I recorded the podcast from a parking lot in Arizona and it was, I think it was February. So it was like a month before the pandemic hit everything. So next time we talk, hopefully I can be in some remote location covering the Hawks and it'll life will be normal again. I could be in some hotel room on the road. So uh, I agree. Uh, Let's, let's get back to some normalcy and uh, an 82 game schedule as well. That would be fantastic uh, next season. Yeah, I'm definitely keeping my fingers crossed. Um, Before we get into some Blackhawk stuff on the show today, I kind of want to start this off by uh, asking a little bit about you because I'm sure a lot of the Blackhawks fans, you know, they know you, they, they see your content, they read your articles and listen to the podcast. And I mean, they get to see your face and uh, get to hear the, the great Eddie Olchek get all juiced up when he says your name, <laughs> along with uh, good old Jeff Vukovic during the broadcast, huh. basically every Blackhawks game. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there, you know, would like to hear a little bit more about their Chicago Blackhawks insider. So uh, I noticed in your Twitter bio, it says you're a graduate of nearby Elmhurst University. Are you a local uh, Chicago suburb kid? Uh, did you grow up in the area? I am. So just like Eddie Olchek. Uh, I am a homegrown kid. So I, I grew up 
just outside in, in the burbs near Joliet is where I, I grew up and I went to high school there and um, ended up going to college at Elmhurst, which is now Elmhurst University. Um, my degree still says Elmhurst College, so I think I have to get that changed uh, <laughs> soon. But yeah, so, so I am a local kid. And, and so I just kind of rose the ranks uh, from here. Uh, I know like at Elmhurst College, I, I had a radio show and I got involved with the school newspaper and it was kind of different because you hear some um, people that get into this field, they either go to like a bigger school like Northwestern or whatever, and they're, they're competing with a lot of other sports writers, right? So right. for me, I like my freshman year, I'd like walked into the radio station. I was like, can I have my own radio show? And they're like, sure, pick a time slot. I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> so yeah, so, so that's where I kind of got my feet wet in the, um, the sports media business and then kind of turned that into an internship, which was Comcast Sportsnet Chicago at the time, uh, dating myself there in, in the fall of 2013, I want to say. And then just honestly, just, just took every step, um, started out as a part-timer, then turned it into a full-time gig, then turned it into, you know, just elevated. Um, obviously, in order for that to happen, you need doors to open. Like you can obviously be really talented or really good at what you do but if there's no door that that opens up like some people have to go elsewhere to, to kind of get that opportunity so I was fortunate enough that that opportunity came here in Chicago and and now I'm pretty much doing exactly what I envisioned doing when I was a kid wow that's so awesome man and it's awesome to hear that you grinded through the ranks got your way up <laughs> it's awesome uh did, did you grow up a Blackhawks fan like were you super into hockey growing up or what was kind of oh, yeah. uh, your favorite sport Yep. Hockey was my favorite sport. Uh, I think I went to my first Blackhawks game when I was like three years old. Um, so I was, I was that guy that was, I would always, so I'm, I'm a triplet. So I have an identical twin oh, wow. brother. <laughs> yeah. So the two of us would, would literally, we would just have our shinny sticks and we'd bring shinny sticks to the games and we'd be, you know, during, in the hallways, um, just like stick handling with, with our pucks and whatever. So it, it was awesome. So yeah, hockey was my number one sport growing up. And so I never really knew exactly where it was going to take me. Like I, I obviously knew I wasn't talented enough to play, um, <laughs> but I, I didn't know if it was going to turn into a, a broadcasting, if it was going to be writing, television, radio, I, that part, I, you, you kind of figure that out along the way, but I knew I wanted to go into hockey and it, my love for the, for the sport really started at a young age when I went to my first Blackhawks game uh, with my dad. Yeah. It's kind of a similar story with myself. I remember being a young kid, going to my first Blackhawks game, going with my dad and my grandpa. And it was actually during uh, Patrick Kane's rookie season. I believe uh, I was probably what that was 13, 14 years ago. Now I was probably seven or eight or something along those lines. <laughs> and Kane scored the overtime winner against the blues. And, you know, before that, the Blackhawks were kind of in this dark era. Um, I didn't really know much about the team or hockey really in general, but just like, being in that atmosphere and watching that moment. I mean, I fell in love with the game so fast and like things change in a whirlwind. And I kind of had that same kind of feeling growing up where, you know, I, I don't care what it is, but whether it's broadcasting or writing or something, as you said, that stuff all kind of figures itself out along the way. But I knew I definitely wanted to try and do something with the sport because I was just hooked from the get go. Yeah, it's great. And like, I think we're fortunate too. some people may see it differently. Like, you know, there, there are some writers that, that feel like, you know, if you, if you cover the team that you grew up cheering for, or, you know, you, you were really a fan of growing up that you have this biased opinion, but I see it differently where I kind of grew up following the Blackhawks. So I kind of know, well, at least I feel like I know like inside and out 
the team. Right. Whereas if you, you know, if I, if you threw me in Pittsburgh and started covering the penguins, like I, I feel like I would have to do so much research right? and I'd really have to be immersed into that environment for a long time for me to really get integrated into that culture. Whereas for me, like just stepping into this role, you know, I, I hope it doesn't reflect in my work, but like, I, I really try to stay unbiased. Um, and I, I kind of let the, the fact that I grew up in Chicago to play to my strengths um, and not really my weakness as, you know, some, some it's different. It's honestly different for everyone. Right. Like right. If, if you, but I, I just try, I just try not to let it show in my work that, um, Oh, you could tell he grew up a Chicago kid and he's a, you know, like I, I really mm-hmm. do try to be fair in my reporting and I hope it reflects that too. Yeah, I try to do the same. Obviously, I mean, this is a show all about the Blackhawks, and I grew up a fan myself. But looking at the team, I try to keep it as partial and fair as I can because, you know, at the end of the day, um, your work's going to reflect upon that, and people are going to notice if you're saying some things that may be leaning a little bit towards your hometown team. But uh, it's a little bit of a tough thing to, to not to do sometimes. Yeah. And it's funny though, too, because I remember going to games as a kid and just growing up too. I always, now I don't want people to get offended by this, but I always kind of got frustrated sitting with the fans. Like I love sitting in the press box because it's, it's more like I'm focused on the game. So like being with the fans, you can be sitting next to meatballs. And like, I just never <laughs> really enjoyed. Like I was more of like, I just don't bother me. Like I want to watch the game and like critically think about what's going on. So in a way, you know, I'm, it's kind of nice being able to see it through my view right now. Whereas when I was with a fan, I was just like, ah, I just want to, I'd rather just sit in my room and watch this right. by myself without anyone bothering me. So it, it works out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel you <laughs> on that level. Um, I also definitely wanted to ask you, uh, I'm sure you've done, you know, a lot of cool interviews and met a lot of, you know, extraordinary individuals as part of your job, but What's been, I guess, um, the coolest or like the most unique experience in your mind that, that you've got to do as part of this job? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I remember, let's rewind back to the, the 2015 Stanley Cup final. That was really when I had my first major breakthrough. Um, the, uh, Tracy Myers was, was the Blackhawks insider at the time, and, and we had a secondary writer. And I was kind of like the third person that was, you know, covering the team but I was really doing it from the office I wasn't really doing it uh, from you know the arenas or anything mm-hmm. and the the second writer ended up leaving um mid playoff run to accept a different job which it was it wasn't even um in the sports industry it was a different industry and so oh, wow. yeah so it was basically like we only had one writer at covering the this Stanley Cup run and so I really tried to push to to be that second person to to help but I I was like straight out of college. Like I was 23 years old. Right. And they were like, there's no way like they're going to send me to, to cover the Western conference final and Stanley cup final if they get there. But anyways, I ended up really pushing for, for that. And I, and I did, and I was so nervous. Like I was like, I shouldn't be here right now, but like I <laughs> kind of made the most of it. Right. Um, but I remember there was one interview during, uh, I believe it was game six, right after game six, of the um, the Western Conference Final, where the, the Blackhawks, I believe they were down three to two in the series, and and they they tied up at three three, and they're yeah. going back to Anaheim for a game seven, and there was this big giant media 
you know, it basically like you had to like raise your hand and then like they would bring you a microphone and you would have to ask your question in front of everyone. And so I'm looking at some of my favorite reporters like Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager and they're sitting there in the room and I'm just like, I'm sweating. Oh God. And I remember asking Bruce Boudreaux, like what, what's the, what have you guys learned from the previous game seven letdowns that you can take into <laughs> this, this game seven going into this year? And I remember him, saying a quote he was like well that like in the prior years we were a bunch of nervous nellies so hopefully you know this year we're, we're different and i remember seeing a bunch of the writers tweet that quote out and it made me feel so like relieved that i was like wow like they're using a question of my or like the answer to my question like on, on <laughs> stories so that was like, kind of like my my you know my breaking um breaking in moment where i'm like oh my gosh that was so relieving to to know that i asked a good question when my turn came Right. And a little bit of a nerve wracking question too. like say, saying like the previous game seven letdowns, not, not oh, yeah. Brucey go easy. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was nervous because they're probably like, who is this guy? Who let this <laughs> And, you know, you're sitting next to like some really well-respected reporters. And I was mm -hmm. like, and I also didn't want to, I was obviously there representing NBC Sports Chicago, but I was also representing Tracy, um, who was the Blackhawks insider at the time. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to let her down either that if I asked a bad question and it looks bad on our company. So I was, I was a little bit proud of myself after that. And it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders when I got it out. Okay. Wow. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, all right. You ready to transition to a little bit of Blackhawk stuff? Let's do it. Awesome. Um, I guess we could start with just your overall thoughts on the 2021 campaign. I know that's kind of vague, but um, you know, it was a year filled with many ups and downs. Um, but what, what was kind of just your, your biggest takeaway from the year overall, the first of the Blackhawks being in this official rebuilding stage? Yeah, so when you look at the, the season as a whole, like if you look at the standings, you're probably like, all right, that, that's pretty much where I thought the Blackhawks would, would finish, right? Like before the mm -hmm. year. But, yeah. but, but, then, but then you look at, for me, it's about the individuals that flourished, right? Like there were so many positives, whether it was, Kevin Lincoln and emerging as, as a potential number one early in the season, whether it was Brandon Hagel coming out of nowhere, um, Wyatt Kalanick later in the year, really establishing oh, yeah. himself and, you know, Alex to bring it really bouncing back. So like there were, there were so many positives on an individual basis that I feel like they can, the, the organization can hang their hat on moving forward. Now that next step is, can they make that next step as a team? Can it reflect in the team standings? Um, and can they put it all together? And I know, obviously, they were without Jonathan Taves this season, and Andrew Shaw got hurt, and, and they were dealing with a bunch of injuries, and even, even to the blue line later in the year, where it seemed like every game they were playing with five right. defensemen. Um, so I, I think that take, just taking that next step is they're, they're, they're trying to take the individual success that they had this year and translating it into team success next season so that it can translate into the standings. So I think that's something that I'm certainly – um, you know, I think the organization, I think the fan base as well is, is kind of hoping that that that's the next step where you can put it all together um, or at least start to put it all together next year. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. I thought this year was really about finding what pieces of the puzzle we already have and what pieces of the puzzle we still kind of need to go out and get or, or see, you know, what, what we need to either draft or um, try and trade for going forward as we try to get the adequate help around those those pieces that we already have at the moment uh, I thought that was kind of just really what the season was about you can chalk up the wins and losses to what they were 
Um, but, but overall for the first year of a rebuild, I mean, I think this was a positive step in the right direction, just because we saw so many young guys flourish, as you said, Kevin Lankin and potentially being, uh, this, the future number one goaltender here, keeping my fingers crossed when I say that. Uh, Brandon Hagel coming out of nowhere. Pia Suter even. He had got some uh, couple yep. of votes in the uh, Calder Trophy voting this year. So I, I thought it was really, when you look at things other than the standings and the wins and losses, like you said, I think this was a step in the right direction. You feel the same? Yeah, I, I do. It, only because I feel like they can kind of go into next year saying, okay, you know, we, we feel like we know what Brandon, who Brandon Hagel is as a player. Maybe we plug him in here. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas it would have been, it would have been different if you, you know, if, if some guys flourish, but some guys are like, Hey man, they need some more time in Rockford. But like a lot of the guys that they brought up really like didn't look out of place. So like they, they, you threw them into the deep end right away and it feels like they didn't, you know, they weren't swimming above their head. So I, I feel like you can definitely go into next season, you know, trying to, piece together this puzzle and and maybe it fits better going into the off season where you're like, okay, what, what holes do we need to plug in knowing that we have some of these guys that that really took the next step this year. Right. And talking about finding some of those potential other pieces to the puzzle, moving into some off season stuff, uh, Charlie, honestly, I think this could be a lot busier of a summer for the Chicago Blackhawks than a lot of people are talking about. I mean, uh, there, there's clearly a log jam at the forward position, particularly at the, at uh, center. And then they're also rumored to be on the hunt for a future number one defenseman potentially. And I guess we can kind of start there. Um, looking at the potential options for the Hawks this summer, we've heard obviously a lot about uh, Seth Jones wanting out of Columbus. Then there's also Dougie Hamilton expected to hit the free agent market. And then as is veteran blue liner, Alec Martinez. Uh, do you see any of these three guys being legitimate options for the Blackhawks this summer? And uh, if so, who, who do you, how, how do you think it would rank out of those three, like one, two, and three, who do you think is most likely and least likely? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think they are going to be in the market. And I think a few hours ago, right before we started recording, um, TSN, TSN's Darren Drager. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah. He, he reported that the Blackhawks are going to be in the hunt for, for Seth, Seth Jones and, and Dougie Hamilton. And, and I think, I think we can all agree. I think the Seth Jones possibility is contingent on him signing an extension. Of like, course. I think it just makes absolutely zero sense to, to go, go out and get one year of Seth Jones. So that obviously needs to be contingent on, he would sign an extension or, you know, maybe it's a potential sign and trade, but I do think that the Blackhawks are, are well positioned from a financial standpoint to, to make a big splash. And I know they have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves at 10.5 and, you have Alex Debrinkit, who's seemingly going to get a new contract here in the blink of an eye after after the the twenty twenty three season. So I, I don't want to I don't want to say that they're you know they're they can go out and, and spend so much money on all these players, but I do I do feel like they're they're well positioned, especially too with with Brent Seabrook and Andrew Shaw now on LTIR, where mm-hmm. they have some flexibility now. I know you can't really do much with it. They have to use it in the off season or in season, but there is some wiggle room where you can have this financial flexibility. So, so that'll be interesting. Um, as far as ranking go, rankings go, I, I think for me, if we're just doing players, I think Seth Jones would be number one for me. And then two would I be agree. Dougie Hamilton, just because um, Seth Jones is more of a complete player. And I think that's the type of player the Blackhawks need. 
Uh, they have a lot of puck moving guys right now with Adam Boquist and, and Wyatt Kalanuck and, and Ian Mitchell. Like a lot of those guys are puck movers, but they don't really have that shut down complete defenseman. Like Connor Murphy is a really good shut down defenseman, but he doesn't have a ton of offensive upside. So if we're looking at a guy like Seth Jones. Like he's a guy that would be like, all right, he would fit the system because you bring in a Dougie Hamilton and you're certainly going to score a lot more goals and the offense is going to uptick. But we know where the Blackhawks have been at the bottom of the league for the last three years. And that's, um, you know, giving up those high danger and scoring chances. Right. So I think a guy like Seth Jones would really help um, help in that department as well as the offensive side of things. All right, my conversation with Charlie Romeliotis will continue in just a moment, but first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball is about to take over for the summer. The NBA and NHL playoffs are getting wrapped up. UFC is in full swing all year round, though, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with BetOnline. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today. And be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I completely agree. I just think Seth's more of the defenseman that this team is in need of at the moment. I, I'm, I completely agree. If Dougie Hamilton were to sign here, he would come in and be our number one defenseman. And, um, you know, he, he'd score a ton. He's always in double-digit goals when he remains healthy. But that's also an issue as well. He, he broke his leg not that long ago. Um, he's a couple years older than Seth Jones is as well. Um, I, I don't question Dougie's offense one bit, but I just don't know. Come playoff time which yeah I mean still could be a couple years away for the Blackhawks but that's the goal of this rebuild right we're trying to get back to the playoffs and with Dougie Hamilton as our number one defenseman come playoff time I just don't know if um, that's necessarily the recipe for a Stanley Cup winning team or a team that can contend for the Stanley Cup yeah I really like Dougie Hamilton I just I do agree that to some degree like the number one guy has to be you know he has to be responsible defensively as well, right? Like you look at the, the pillars of the defense for the Blackhawks, and it was Duncan Keith, right? He was a guy, Norris Trophy winner, but he was also one of the best def- defensive defensemen as well. And Drew Doughty when LA was winning those cups. So I agree. Obviously, the one wrinkle in this um, argument, we're obviously debating the players, but it should be mentioned, obviously, if the Blackhawks wanted a Seth Jones, they would have to acquire him and so give up assets for him. Whereas Dougie Hamilton, you could just go out and sign. So I get what's the, the risk reward of, all right, maybe we like how much better is Seth Jones than Dougie Hamilton? Mm-hmm. Is it enough to, to go break the bank and, and, uh, and give up assets for him? Or is it, eh, well, I guess we'll settle for Dougie Hamilton, who's still a really, really good defenseman, but maybe not, you know, a Seth Jones guy where he, we can put him out there on a penalty kill or, or protecting a lead. Uh, with three minutes left to go in the game. So that's the the kind of risk reward. 
yeah, of course, there's a lot of things that have to tie into uh, that happening as well. Of course, then uh, Seth, or Dougie Hamilton would even want to come and join the Blackhawks. We don't even know if that's necessarily true. Um, so obviously a lot of, uh, you know, little details are still kind of up in the air. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. The Blackhawks, they, they, I think the biggest need on their, for their team right now is a number one defenseman. I think that's uh, the thing they're really missing. So hopefully they'll be looking to make a big splash this summer. Um, and, and moving on to the forward group now, Charlie, um, the, the guy I want to talk the most about really is Dylan Strome because with the Blackhawks, you know, possibly having Jonathan Taze back next year, not still not sure about that scenario. Um, then also there's Kirby Doc slotted in as the second line center. And then there's still Pia Suter, Philip Kurashev, who kind of split time at center and on the wing this year, but has played center for the majority of his career up to this point. And then there's David Kampf and also up-and-comers Lucas Reichel and Henrik Borgstrom, both of which are coming into the organization playing the center position. Uh, I mean, to me, at least, the numbers here just kind of speak for themselves. I was just wondering your thoughts on um, Dylan Strome possibly being traded by the Blackhawks this summer. Yeah, I, I see. I, I like Dylan Strome as a player. Um, the problem is what you just laid out. The, the Blackhawks have a, a ton of center depth coming into next season with Bjorkstrom and, and even out of nowhere, Lucas Reichel. Yeah, all of a sudden he's a center now. Yeah, so you're, you're kind of, you know, and David Camp, the way he was winning faceoffs, I, I know he gets a lot of criticism from the fan base for not really having any offensive upside, <laughs> but like he was the only reliable guy in the faceoff oh, yeah. department this past season you know, when it comes to taking penalty kills. So like there is some value there and we're even seeing it right now with, with Philip Deneau in, in uh, Montreal, like he, oh, he yeah. hasn't scored a single goal for the Canadians in the playoffs, but he's the storyline because he's been shutting down, um, you know, that the opponent's top line. And so I'm yeah. not saying David camp is Philip Deneau, but I'm just saying there is value in just having a defensive guy like that who can win draws. So anyways, back to Dylan Strom, like I really like him as a player. The problem is like, I just don't know where, if he's not playing in the top six as a center, uh, he's just not a third line center. Like he's got to play with those offensive type players like Kane mm. and Debrinket. Like we've seen that where he flourishes when he's playing with those guys. And the, so the issue is, I just think he's better suited on the wing if he's got to play with a Kane or Debrinket. Like he's not, he's not going to take a Jonathan Tays spot or he's not going to take Kirby Doc's spot. And so if he wants to play in the top six, it's probably going to be on the wing. And if he wants to stay at the center position, he's probably going to be a third line center. The problem is it doesn't suit him playing on the third line and only playing 12 minutes a night with guys that aren't offensive playmakers because that doesn't suit his style. So it, it's a both the player and the team, they're going to have to, they, I, I'm sure they probably already have, and they, I'm sure they talked about it in the exit interviews, but they have to come to some sort of agreement where about what Strom's role is going to be because he's a beloved guy in that locker room. Like if you move a guy like that, 88 and 12 are not going to be happy. So you have to kind of figure that out, how you're going to piece that together and, and where he fits into the puzzle. So right now it looks like he, he's better suited on the wing if he's going to play a top six role. Yeah, I agree that there's just not the room for him down the middle, but we've also seen him kind of struggle on the wing as well. It's just yep. so tough because he's just in this tough situation where, and I also feel like he's never really been settled into the lineup like he's constantly being moved around center to wing he's changing positions uh sometimes he's playing with his good buddy to sometimes he isn't 
Uh, he was getting scratched at the end of the year. I remember there was one time he, he hit the ice and then was told he was scratched. I believe the Blackhawks had an extra guy uh, on the ice for the pregame skate, and he wound up being the one that got scratched. So I, I feel like a little bit for Dylan Strom, I kind of feel like he just needs to be left alone and just kind of let him do his thing in one role for a little bit. You think I'm off there? Or? No, not not at all. And And I think that's why maybe there's – things have gone sideways a little bit with him because when, when the team did acquire him from Arizona, they immediately were giving him top six minutes. He was playing on the first power play. He was playing with, you know, to He was playing with Kane. He was, he was racking up power play points. Like he was almost a point per game player that first yeah. year. And then, you know, year two and year three, like things start to, to decrease a little bit as it, this influx of talent. And, and I think we, we can agree too, when, when they drafted Kirby doc third overall, I think a lot of people's questions were, all right, well, like, what does that mean for Dylan Strome? Because yeah. we thought Dylan Strome was penciled in as the, the number two center uh, for the future. And so that, that's, you know, a different wrinkle here as well. But it, it's, it, it's tough because I really do like Dylan Strome as a player. And I do think that he, well. he, he, can fit, he, he can fit into this puzzle. You know, it's just have to, they have to come to an agreement on what that role is. Like if Dylan wants to play center, and, and the organization uh, prefers him to play wing, well, they're not seeing eye-to-eye there. And if he does play center, he's playing in a third-line role, and it's just, it's just not suited. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation. I don't think he's untouchable, but, but I also don't think the Blackhawks are necessarily looking to move him. Um, so I think it's more of like we're listening, but we're not really shopping him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out and if the Seattle expansion draft kind of impacts his future. Yeah, that's actually uh, the next topic of conversation. The last thing I'll uh, Good segue. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, you did it for me, man. Um, yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to wrap up the show with today is that upcoming Seattle expansion draft. Uh, Charlie, it's looking like the Blackhawks are pretty likely to go that seven three one route, uh, and if that does in fact wind up being the case, then it looks like uh, one of their defensemen could possibly be the player that's heading on over to Seattle. I think we both know that Duncan Keith, I mean, he has to be protected with his full no movement clause. And also there's no way Connor Murphy doesn't get protected here. Um, But who do you think takes that third and final defenseman spot? Is it Nikita Zadorov or does it wind up being Riley Stillman, which would uh, of course then leave Zadorov available for the Kraken? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think the Blackhawks have, have been pretty, pretty well positioned for this draft when you look mm. at some of the developments over the last couple months where they're not going to have to protect Brent Seabrook. They're not going to have to protect Andrew Shaw. And now they're not going to have to Nylander. protect Alex Nylander. Right. So, and then you have all these rookies that are first or second year player. It's kind of funny that like Brandon Hagel has to be protected, yeah. but like a Kirby doc or a Dominic Kubelik doesn't. And they, it feels like they've been on the team way longer Yeah, it's um, weird. and they have, but obviously the, the contract, um, it's, it's interesting. So yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, the, Ron Francis, um, is obviously running Seattle, so he does have that connection. I, I believe he was in Carolina when Calvin DeHaan was there oh. and when he signed there. So if, you know, the Blackhawks do say like, Hey, here's a Calvin. I just don't know how it's going to pan out. Um, if you subtract from your roster and, and Seattle takes the Calvin DeHaan, yeah, you get, you know, you free up $4.5 million, but you're also like, all right, well, Kevin DeHaan was a top four guy on our, on our, on a blue line that was really young. So it's like, who are you replacing him with? Because 
Nikita Zadorov obviously kind of fell into the doghouse in the second half of the year. So it's like, does he slot into that role? I, I don't know. We obviously touched on the topic at the beginning with, with Seth Jones or Dougie Hamilton. So, so there is room where, you know, maybe you do clear out, um, you know, you, you expose a, a Calvin DeHaan and, and he gets taken and you use that extra salary to go out and, and sign a Dougie Hamilton or, or whatever. But um, I think they're just, they're, they're in pretty good position not to lose a, a really good player when, when we were maybe doing this a few months ago, we we're like, all right, well, they're going to have to protect Shaw. They're going to have to protect Seabrook. They're going to mm-hmm. have to protect um, Nylander. And then you like, we're leaving guys like Dylan Strom uh, available. So they're, they're, um, it sounds like they're pretty in pretty good position. Now we'll see if they make any moves beforehand to, to you know, we obviously know what Vegas did um, leveraging their cap space and leveraging their, like it's going to be super interesting this draft because so many teams are probably going to be looking to unload contracts because oh, yeah. of COVID. You know, it, yeah, because of COVID and and just the salary cap. I mean, yeah. it sure it sure sounds like the salary cap is going to stay flat for like the next three four years, oh, and man. that that's like Seattle is really the only team that could take those bad contracts. Yeah, they're probably licking their chops. Yep, and, and it's different too because you know we obviously joke around. And we've joked around in the past where Arizona and Ottawa, they need that money to get to the floor, but like, they're not going to want to take that money because they have to pay actual money for those players. And it, when there's no income coming in, especially if you look at a team like Ottawa, where they, they just didn't have fans this year at all. Like, how do you, how do you recoup that? So um, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how the Seattle expansion draft um, shakes out. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be super fun. Um, I, I do agree. The Blackhawks are, sitting in a pretty good spot and doesn't look like they're going to lose. Um, it, it definitely looks better than it was a couple months ago. Uh, I'm in complete agreement with you there. Uh, all right, Charlie, I think uh, I'm going to let you go for your night and joy. Uh, thank you again for jumping on the show here today, man. Once again, I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully another conversation in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jack. And, and let's definitely do this uh, when the season kicks off and, and like I said earlier, hopefully the next time we record this, I'm in Arizona and I'm doing this for my, this, the outdoor and things are back to normal. So uh, thanks for having me again. And, and we'll definitely do it again soon. Of course. Looking forward to it, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Friday, July 2nd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, go get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by following Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey. Be sure to give it a follow for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Don't forget that the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday. So for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. 
So until Monday's episode, everyone, enjoy your weekend. And thanks again for listening to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.